Welcome to Truth Culture Life. I am Royce Hood, and wow, after a few weeks of not having all of our uh, co-hosts on, we are united. We actually were concerned about Sierra. We had no idea where she was, and um, we found her. And we have made father gave her an ultimatum that if she doesn't come back, she's going to be in a lot of trouble. So she is here, Sierra. Welcome uh, back to the program. Heck yeah! I just got back from Kansas, so or Arkansas. Oh my gosh, we were in Kansas, but now we're just. What were you Arkansas, doing in Kansas? So. Yellow brick road. <laughs> Was there a tornado? One of my um, best friends from high school graduated from chiropractor school, so we went to her graduation in Iowa, and then another one of my really good buddies from high school used to own a goat farm in Missouri. I don't even know how that happened, but her and her husband are from North Dakota, uh, bought this goat farm. They were operating it for two years and now they just moved to Arkansas. So we went down to Bentonville and saw them and then we kind of meandered home. So (laughs) there's a lot to unpack there. Um, first of all, father (laughs) Orson is a good chiropractor. Well, you know, I don't need it anymore. The chiropractor didn't work. I was operated on. Oh, on Wednesday. Oh, I had no oh. idea. Uh, last yeah. I heard in an MRI. Yeah, well, after the MRI, they found out what it was. And I said, you better fix it. I need it right away. I'm busy. So they did it on Wednesday morning. I went to the hospital. Uh, they did the surgery, like a little little cut about not even an inch. They fixed what they, the, the, the nerve was impinging on a disc or something like that. And I walked out, you know, like a couple of, uh, couple of hours later. And they said, you... How do you feel? I said, great. Uh, would you like something to drink? I said, give me a scotch. I said, we don't have that. So I had a glass of water. They said, you feel okay? I said, yeah, okay, go home. Goodbye. So, so two years of agony. And finally, it's, it's, it's cured for now. Wow. I mean, you, now. Look, I mean, you look happier. Last time you were on, you looked, you were a bit grouchy. I mean, I didn't want to say <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, my back affected my brain. Yeah, I, I understand that uh, pain can it's just draining. Right. And then I don't even know. We'll we'll bring up maybe we'll go back into the goat farm later because that sounded interesting. Um, <laughs> I, but I if, never went to a goat farm. Well, I was going to say when Father Orsi grows up, if radio and television and you know ministry work don't work out for him, maybe goat farming would be a good alternative. Uh there's a there's a poem about goats but i i it'll come to me shortly just interrupt us with your poem about goats when there's it, poem on goat <laughs> i love that <laughs> all right so and of course we're, we're joined by father orsi from naples who you all just heard and uh, a couple weeks ago we were, we said a little prayer for his pain and his sciatic nerve and father maybe you know i'm sure um there's been some success with the surgery but i, I bet you all of the listeners asking for your uh, comfort probably helped you as well so thank that you prayer was great and i prayed to uh, sister wilhelmina i did there i go. did and i i really considered a miracle that this doctor was able to do because he says you know my back is like you got a bad back father i know i got a bad back but i think i could help you i'm 80 percent sure i can help you so i said i'll take those odds to vegas you know and, uh, i'll be honest father from what i know of orthopedics and and so forth i mean a lot of times back surgery is not successful I know. Well, as I said, so far, so, so good. good. Yeah, that's wonderful. All right. Well, we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, we are joined by Mark Gabriel from Catholic Customs Company. Um, and Mark and I met in Gower several weeks ago, and it was just incredible. So and I'll let him tell the story, Mark. But welcome. Welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Really excited to be here. Happy to meet all you and uh, really excited to share what we have. 
Yeah. So crazy story. Tell us a little bit. I mean, obviously you started this, this apostolate, this company to build altars and these aren't necessarily altars just for churches, but you, you are encouraging people to create an altar space in their home. Right. Yeah. So years ago, my wife's father, he is a custom woodworker. He had this idea that the home should have an altar in it to center prayer around. And obviously nowadays, like it's all the rage to kind of have a home altar and we're all setting them up and things like that. Um, but he had this idea a long time ago and it never came to fruition. He built some uh, like altars and sacred heart enthronements that he uh, took to EWTN, things like that. But so my wife just kept having this thing where she was like, we should get uh, my dad, we should design a home altar and have my dad build us because he's does these ornate woodworking builds. And so she wanted one and we drew it out and we were like, you know what, maybe other people would be interested in this too. So we started doing research to see if we could find one to buy. And all we could find was uh, satanic altars for black masses and like witchcraft altars for like Wiccan rituals and stuff like that. And we were like, okay. That's disgusting. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And so we know Satan does the inverse of whatever God does. So we're like, okay, if he, if Satan's having his followers do that and it it means enough to them, then perhaps this is something that the Catholic family should have something to combat that with. Amen. That's awesome. So my understanding to sort of paraphrase it is you guys get a phone call. I don't know, several weeks. It was, I guess, back in May, you get a phone call from the uh, Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles in Gower, Missouri, saying, hey, we need a um, like an altar of some sort to bring the um, for Sister Wilhelmina's resting place to memorialize her um, the, the anniversary of her death. Right. And then so you guys get an order. You're, you're customizing this thing. And then all of a sudden, like two weeks away from when you're supposed to deliver it, you get a phone call saying, oh, by the way, she's incorruptible. It's got to be see through. And yeah. we need it in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's essentially what the situation was. We put our website up and did the startup. I had just got my renderings done, the drawings and everything like that. And I got a message from them and I answered the message. And I'm like, are you the Benedictine sisters in Gower, Missouri? And they said, yes, that's us. But my understanding was that originally they were wanting it to have just a, be a normal altar that they would have relics of her on. It wasn't supposed to be a case at all the whole time until they exhumed her and they're like, sorry, we haven't got back to you in the last few days. Like, um, this just happened. Do you guys think you can make this happen? I said, I think, yes, let me call my father-in-law that does the building with us and ask him. And he was like, Oh, absolutely. Like I'll make it fly if they want me to make it fly, you know, whatever the sisters need. So yeah, we ended up putting that together. And, uh, he, he always says that our first order is from heaven. His sister ordered it. This was your, this was actually your first order. This was our very first story, yeah. How long was it from the time that you put the website up before the sisters called you? Five days. Wow. wow. Hey, you have a, so how fast did you get it done? Is it out there already? Oh, two weeks. We had it ready for them. We went, we went out there. They were going to try to house us, but Royce was taking up the guest house. So we got, <laughs> an, we got an Airbnb and we went out there. We did the install on site for the sisters. Um, yeah, and... Yeah, it turned out really well. We were really pleased with how it turned out. That's a beautiful uh, piece of work. Now, and the front, the front on that case is removable too in the event that she's not on display. So there should be some completed pictures. Yeah. That's beautiful. Now, can can you see uh, Sister Wilhelmina? Uh, she, uh, her body is for display? 
Yeah, it's on display. They have, the, as far as I know, they still have that front case off and she's still on display. Uh -huh. um, I can share some photos with you guys of that also so that you can yeah, have that's that. Great. That's great. Well, yeah. we will share the photos at truthculturelife.com and via Facebook, Facebook forward slash uh, truthculturelife POD, which is pod for podcast. But if, if when in doubt, just look for Truth Culture Life or look for me, Royce Hood, and, and you can find the links. And, uh, and then the link to uh, Mark's website is catholiccustomscompany.com. Um, really absolutely beautiful pieces of work. And I know you've got a lot. I mean, you guys are just getting, I had no idea you were just getting started. And I had no idea that was your first order five days later. That, that should tell you something about like, this is probably a good direction to go in. Yeah, yeah. Sure yeah. And we see it. We see it a little bit as a ministry too, because my wife set up a really beautiful home altar in our house, but we're just using like an end table or like a little dresser that we found and she refinished because she also has a back end woodworking. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Could I, can I so, ask you what, what kind of wood is it made out of? We make them out of all kinds of woods. That one specifically, uh, we made it out of sugar maple for the sisters because the trees around Sister Wilmina's grave that little orchard over there are wow. sugar maple trees. So we finished that one out of sugar maple. We're doing another build right now for St. Mary's of uh, Piscataway in Maryland. There, we're building an altar, a re rectory altar, and a altar of repose for them. And those ones are made out of red oak. But we we do mostly hardwoods, all American sourced lumber, and uh, we can do any kinds of wood that people now, would want to have. How did you treat the wood? Uh, the one for Sister Wilhelmina, that one was sanded smooth, and we ended up using a tinted lacquer. Um, we went there and met with them after they exhumed her because we had to measure Sister Wilhelmina's body while they were cleaning her remains so we could know if we made the thing to fit her. So we took color samples from the Abbey there, and we brought them back and made a color match and finished it out of uh, smooth tinted lacquer. Wow. Wow. No, you know... Robin yeah. Hood is making a, a documentary, and this this will be part of the documentary. This this special altar for her her relics. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I I didn't even know. I mean, I know that you guys had gone out there. Did you guys take any pictures when you were doing the measurements? No, we didn't. Only because at that point in time it was confidential, and we were sworn to secrecy by the sisters. <laughs> they <laughs> said they said we were the first people they called after they called the bishop. Because wow. they wanted to make sure that it could happen. So they called us immediately after they called the diocese and, and informed the bishop. And so we were out there the three days later, the first weekend that we could get out there, we were out there and they were still cleaning her off and they brought us in to see her and they let us touch her like everybody else got to when she was on display. But wow. we didn't take pictures at that time because I was like, I, I think they would be a little suspicious of me if they asked me to keep this confidential and I whip my iPhone out when they take us in the parlor. No, that's totally, totally understandable. Yeah. You know, so, this, and, and as father mentioned, I'm working on incorruptible, the, which will be the movie um, about this whole thing. And really it's, it's, it's bigger than just the incorruptibility. It's about her life and the things that she worked for and her story, which is just almost cooler than incorruptible. Incorruptibility is amazing. I don't want to shortchange that. But when you start digging into Sister Wilhelmina's actual life and the things that she went through, and it's just phenomenal. Like it's yeah. it's a story for the times, and it's a story that I think is really could could bring so many people to the church and to Jesus. Um, and that's, I mean, so I and look, so Mark, what's really interesting? I don't want this to be about me. Um, 
but I walked away from a really big secular contract that I had just been offered. And I was like, I said, yes. And I started doing the work and I realized it just wasn't like, this isn't what God wants me to do. So I withdrew that afternoon is when we found out about sister Wilhelmina. And two days later we were, you know, in front of her asking for permission to do a story. So like, you yeah, start- let me, just, let me yeah. just tell you this. When I heard about sister Wilhelmina, I, I just felt like something great uh, had happened. And, and tell you the truth, I mean, I love Sister Wilhelmina. I mean, I'm so impressed by her, what she was able to do. And uh, I, I called up my sister right away. I said to her, she lives in Jersey. I said, you've got to hear this story. Th- this is a fantastic story. I think it'll change the church in America. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Father. It's... Um it's profound and it's uh it's so many from so many different levels from the fact that she's the first um you know from what i understand first african-american uh incorruptible in the world which is amazing i think she's the first incorruptible from the united states that's that's my belief i can't find any other one right and uh, there's a few obscure websites out there so that that talk about there being a few uh, bodies that you can venerate in the US but it turns out those are just relics relics vi- that's right i visited one in galesburg in my backyard and uh, a little um 8 9 year old boy from the 3rd century his name is saint crescent and he was martyred cuz he re- by diocletian because he refused to renounce his faith 8 9 year old boy and you can see his body but it's preserved in wax and but so not truly an incorruptible but he is a relic um so she's a first and Mark, you have the distinct historical privilege of being the guy that built her tomb. I, mean, I know, that, yeah. That's really amazing. So, um, uh, and look, I would encourage all of our listeners to check out uh, CatholicCustomsCompany.com and check these things out. Prices for these things, which are handmade by faithful Catholics, are, um, I mean, they start off around, what, $1,700 for a, a yeah. Big- the smaller ones are 1700 they go all the way up we can make them as ornate as you want them um we're going to be making a high altar for the archdiocese of philadelphia so we can do really complex things on custom orders if people want it and where are you we have- we're in philly we're in philly uh at the basilica no st hughes oh st hughes Hispanic okay Carriage. yeah 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 i studied in philadelphia so i know the place yeah okay. yeah um so so listen, and then they have bigger ones, and, and I see some like statues and different things on there as well. Um, stay tuned to Truth Culture Life because I think hopefully in the next week or two, Mark had talked about doing some sort of a contest where we will actually um, do a contest for somebody to win a one of the smaller altars for their home. And I, I just have to say one thing that I really like about cu- Catholic Customs and your whole crew is like literally pretty much your entire crew delivered this thing like you it's not like you guys stick this thing on a ups truck i'm sure that might happen at some point but you guys actually you know came to gower and built it and and assembled it and everything else so tell us scalability wise if you start getting orders for things how does that work are you guys going to be delivering them or will you figure out a way to ship them we only hand deliver on the large custom orders that will require assembly on site. Like if, when we end up eventually going to Philadelphia, that's something we're taking the crew. So that'll be all for my kids, my wife too. We'll all go out there and they're, they want to house us in um, the convent that's attached to the church there. So, wow. But for the, for the smaller orders, we do use third party shipping. And I know a lot of people would be concerned about shipping on large items because it's very difficult to ship furniture items nationwide, but we include free shipping on all of our purchases and um, they will get shipped via third party, but all the shipping is included. It's free shipping. 
That way you don't have to want to have an alternate add to your cart and see that you're going to have to pay $2,000 to ship it to Los Angeles. No, we didn't want to do that. So all the shipping is free on every one of our units. Wow, that's great. Do they come pre-assembled? Like if Father Orsi orders us a small altar for his home, would it come pre-assembled or does he have to build it? No, it'll be fully assembled. All he'll have to do is take the shrink wrap off of it that we put to protect the the stain and lacquer. Well, that's something. That's something. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, um, all right. Well, folks, CatholicCustomsCompany.com. I am, I've got some incredible footage. Actually, I was there when they were unloading this thing from the truck. And I had several cameras rolling different points where they first assembled it. And then there was some work done on it. And then the original, and then when they actually, when Sister Wilhelmina was transferred to the altar, I was there for that portion as well. And so we've got some incredible footage from the whole thing. A lot of that I think will be for sure. We'll put some segments in the incorruptible movie showing that. Um, and then stay tuned. Cause I'll, I'm going to figure out a way to create maybe a little time-lapse video that Catholic customs can use as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, Mark, I, I am so excited for this. I want to encourage people to look for Catholic customs on Facebook and be sure to give that page a like, I'll give you the last word, Mark, before we jump to our break. Yeah, we're really excited about the opportunity to be here and meet with you guys. And we're really hoping that, uh, these projects that we're working on really help to edify the prayer life in the family. Oh, it's beautiful. Good luck, Mark. Hope, all to, right. hope to meet you, you personally. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll come across each other eventually, Father. Thanks. God bless. All yeah. right. Truth Culture Life. We're going to go to a quick break and we'll be right back. July is the month for Catholic Spirit Radio's Matching Monday. I'm this year's Matching Monday donor, Patricia, and I'm going to double up to $6,000 every donation made on the Mondays in July. I challenge you to donate big, so I have to write that matching big check. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or mail your check on any Monday in July to 108 Boykin's Place in Normal. Why am I willing to be the matching donor? Before I converted, Catholicism seemed mysterious to me, even though my husband was Catholic. However, after speaking with a priest, I knew I wanted to become a Catholic too. I began listening to EWTN programs and grew tremendously in my understanding and love of the faith. When my children came along, I was thankful that we could attend church together, and we still do whenever family comes to town. Catholic Spirit Radio needs our financial support so we can grow in our faith. If you've never donated, start this July. If you've donated in the past, July is the month to give extra. Remember, I will double it during July Matching Mondays. The Epiphany Knights of Columbus call all knights and their guests to our 50th anniversary reception, Saturday, July 29th. Join us for 4 o'clock Mass, followed by beverages, appetizers, dinner catered by Bernardi's, and then dance the night away with our professional DJ. All knights attend free of charge, and their guests are only $10. RSVP to joe at dmci.com. Again, that's joe at dmci.com. Your reservation deadline is July 1st. Come celebrate 50 years of the Epiphany Knights of Columbus. Help seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal area, 309-827-7780. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. 
Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life. And we were just joined by Mark Gabriel from CatholicCustomsCompany.com. Uh, be sure to check that out and stay tuned because I think probably in the next week or two, again, for those listeners just tuning in, we're going to be doing some sort of a contest where Catholic Customs is going to give away a free home altar. So stay tuned for that. All right. So Sierra and Father. Sierra, we haven't heard much from you. I'll, I'll take it away and, and lead us into the next segment. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, one thing that I've been reading a lot about and just checking out because of Sister Wilhelmina is the incorruptibles. And I wanted to talk to you guys about it. You know, what what do you guys know about incorruptibles when they're found? Are they usually Catholic? Are they only Catholic? Do you have the history on that, Father? Okay. Uh, the only ones I know of because the church gets involved in investigations uh, with them, especially if they're going to uh, try to canonize them, are Catholic. I have not seen uh, any non-Catholics that their cause was investigated. Now, uh, there are certain cases <laughs> where there are some um, natural explanations as to why a body may be preserved, but you have to talk about what is the state of preservation. So, we can take a look, for instance, at Egypt, the mummies, and there's a whole procedure that they used to embalm the mummies. We can look at Lenin in Lenin's tomb. Uh, he is in uh, perpetual care of morticians uh, to uh, make him look uh, almost as good as the day he died. Those cases, there are natural explanations for them they're not necessarily incorruptible. Now, when we talk about incorruptibles, for the most part, uh, they are not in perfect condition uh, perpetually, as far as we know. So some were incorrupt for a number of years, but eventually the bodies, after the canonization, uh, began to uh, disintegrate, deteriorate. So uh, some damage on some of the bodies, you know, uh, maybe a, a nose got uh, broken off, um, maybe some, um, uh, some uh, desiccation, we'll call that, where the body dries out and becomes rather leather-like. Uh, but from what I know, for the most part, uh, most of the uh, bodies that were deemed incorruptible uh, at certain point uh, did begin to change. Uh, we don't have that uh, right, with only slight uh, uh, deterioration, for example, with St. Bernadette of, of Lourdes. Uh, certainly, I'm very impressed with uh, Mother Wilhelmina. Now, is there a possibility that over time the body may begin to, uh, to corrupt? Uh, sure there is, but my guess is they'll wait until uh, they get it through canonization and, and then maybe, maybe let the natural process take place. Oftentimes with the uh, saints, they might be put on display uh, and there is a, uh, a, a kind of like a death mask put over them made out of wax. So you're really not seeing the real, the real face. 
let me give you just a, an example. This is the case with Padre Pio. Uh, there was some slight damage, I think on his arm, some slight deterioration, but he is on display at Giovanni Rotondo, uh, which is near Foggia in Italy. And uh, they say his body is in pretty good uh, condition uh, insofar as that there is very, very little corruption at all, but there's still a, a mask on his face. In Philadelphia, we do have the remains of St. John Neumann. And uh, when they exhumed his body, it was skeletal, but they did uh, dress the skeleton in his uh, priestly uh, attire. And his body is on display in the altar uh, at St. Peter's Church on 5th and Girard in Philadelphia, but it is not, it's not incorrupt. So there's there, a lot of variation, uh, but Wilhelmina, from what I know, there is no corruption uh, identifiable at all. I don't know if that helps you. No, and, I think you know, the other thing you got to take into consideration, uh, times have changed because in the past, uh, some of the saints, we go back into the early centuries, um, you know, 16th, 17th, 18th century, uh, they're not embalmed. They're not embalmed. And today there certainly is embalming that has to be taken into consideration. Uh, when a body is presented for uh, uh, canonization and if the body is in any way intact. So, it, you know, it, it's according to the time period and uh, it's according to uh, what the ultimate condition of the body is. But from what I've seen, very few stay intact uh, forever. Tell you what, Sierra, let's go into it. I'm going to play a quick clip if I can. I just investigated the body of uh, St. Crescent, which goes along to your question. Now, St. Crescent, as I mentioned earlier, is actually listed on a few blogs as an incorruptible, but that is incorrect. He is simply a relic similar to uh, to uh, Newman. He has uh, been preserved in wax, but you can still see the wound areas are, are open where he, um, where he was killed. So I'm, I'll just play a very short clip from that. Hold on. In the catacombs in 1838 in Rome, and taken from the catacombs to a church in Stresa, Italy. And then from Stresa, Costa put them in this. Um, you can actually see how cool and, and kind of ornate. This is the original, um, you could say, reliquary. We say that this is the relics of the body of St. Crescent. And so when they took St. Crescent out of the catacombs, since they were like a bunch of loose bones, they put wax over his bones. And that would keep his bones together. So see, this isn't, that's not his skin. That's not his um, actual skin. It's wax. And it's wax to keep all the bones together. But you can see this arm bone. And it, they always identified a saint, how they were martyred um, after they did it by the markings. And so he was, he was obviously hit in, in the head. And so they put him in this case. They sealed the reliquary, just like any relic um, is sealed. See the wax seal? And then they put him in a wood crate and transported him here to, to Galesburg. And we have the wood crate. What's amazing about, could you guys hear that? Uh, that, uh, that was um, uh, about St. Crescent. And what's amazing about St. Crescent is, again, third or fourth century, um, his body was discovered under a crypt. And when he was moved to Galesburg in the 1800s, the father who founded this uh, Corpus Christi church in Galesburg requested the body and was granted permission. And there was a concern that, well, you know, it's probably going to get damaged. You know, we're talking, you know, a crate, a ship, trains, probably carriage at that time. Right. I mean, it wasn't like they had a FedEx truck to stick this thing in. Um, 
And the very first ship that was scheduled to take the priest and the body to the United States, the, the father ran into a delay and was late and missed the ship. That ship actually sunk in the Atlantic Ocean. And so the following ship was successfully uh, able to transport, uh, you know, safely St. Crescent and the priest and a body arrived completely intact. Now, the other thing that's neat about Galesburg, and this is sort of local folklore, and it, it's, it'd be easy to verify this, but apparently since the body has been in Galesburg since the late 1800s, there have been tornadoes all around the area, but never a tornado in Galesburg. St. Crescent has been there. And so because of the storm that sunk the ship and because of that, the locals, Catholic or not, um, oftentimes cite St. Crescent as sort of protecting Galesburg from tornadoes, sort of a fun little story. Yeah, I just want to mention something else. Uh, some of you might be familiar with Carlo Acutis. Yeah. Uh, young man uh, sure. died uh, up in northern Italy, and uh, his body is on display. Uh, but you got to remember uh, what the morticians can do these days. And he looks like he's well-preserved, but uh, he, he's been embalmed, and uh, his face uh, is, is displayed. I don't know if it's a mask. I think it might be a mask on his face, too. So... Let's Times have changed. Times have changed. For, for those looking, I mean, we've got, yeah, you can Google it. Google, Google Carlos Acutis. And um, he, I mean, it looks like he's sleeping. And my understanding is he is preserved. There is a, a wax, uh, you know, preservation uh, with his particular body. But it's it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's a great, great point, Father O. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And one thing I'll say about Sister Wilhelmina Sierra is from the moment they they exhumed her and um, discovered that her body was intact in, until they moved her body on May 29th with a rosary procession to her final resting place, her body sat out and dozens at first, and then it turned into like tens of thousands of people from around the, the country and further came and people were touching her and venerating her. It was, it was phenomenal. And yeah, I want to say this, Robin Hood, uh, with Sister Wilhelmina, to make this very clear, she was not embalmed. That's okay? correct. She was not embalmed. And a lot of the cases that we uh, look at uh, in the in history of incorruptibles, uh, they're in sometimes in a, a, a place where uh, maybe the elements didn't get at them. Maybe they had a, a special uh, coffin sarcophagus that was in some ways protective of the body. Also, when a body that is exhumed, like Sister Wilhelmina, Oftentimes when it hits the air, the corruption begins to take place. This has not happened. So this is extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, her um, coffin was discovered to actually have a crack in it. So yeah. it was not airtight, as you might expect. Um, it, it, had a wa- it actually had water damage, and there was actually some mold um, on her vestments and on her skin slightly, but the, but the condition of her body was, was intact, which is phenomenal. Sierra, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you keep going with it. Great question. Yeah, no, I just, I've seen so many comments on like the Facebook posts that you've put out. And I know that we'll have more information, you know, in the following weeks and months, especially now that you're doing this documentary. So people should make sure to follow us on Facebook to have those updates or check out the website. Absolutely. Uh, But you know, we got one more segment left, but we have so many good things coming. I don't know if we have time. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we have a we have a few more minutes before we go to our break. Um, one of the things that has been in the news, which is sort of more secular, but is this <laughs> uh, really tragic story of the Titan submarine. And, oh, my uh, goodness. It I is was so sad. 
right? I mean, and I think the whole world was probably a bit in shock that like when you find out the details of this thing, it's, it's pretty scary, but at the same time, it was so, I mean, it's just so tragic and the whole world I think was rooting for, you know, their safe recovery. But I think from the outset, it seems so unlikely, but it turns out um, for those that don't know the story, which I'm sure everybody does, but the Titan was carrying, I think five passengers on a expedition to the um, Titanic and it lost uh, the, the, the mothership, so to speak, lost um, contact about 45 minutes into the dive. And mm-hmm. um, after, you know, sort of a week of people looking and all sorts of groups coming out, sending submersibles and using sonar, um, the Navy reported last night that they had actually detected what the, appeared to have sounded like an implosion not long after it lost contact Sunday originally. And so they didn't want to um, publicly put that out because the, the technology used by the Navy to detect that sound is top secret which is really interesting. And they also were, I think, hoping that it was maybe something else. So they were continuing to look, but then they were able to verify a debris field. Um, So super tragic. It sounds like this thing imploded almost, you know, within a few hours of its descent. Um, Interestingly enough, and and I'll turn it over to Father O and Sierra, but I was researching this and there's bits and pieces on the science as well as the facts sort of scattered throughout the, the you know, web. Um, James, uh, uh, is it James Cameron, the director of the Titanic? Um, Cameron has been in a number of dives and he, he put, put out a statement. He knew one of the passengers and he, he said it was really interesting um, that, you know, the, the implosion would have been so quick that, they, they wouldn't like our nervous system would not have been able to process what was happening. Mm-hmm. That's how fast it was. And it's hard to imagine, but if you take a can and crush it or a balloon and pop it, you know, that's an implosion versus an explosion. Um, but he had some interesting statements because he's been to the Titanic 30 times and he's been in these subs. Um, and uh, anyway, so it was just, it's just fascinating sort of to, to hear the science behind it. But apparently this thing was made out of, um, a, a carbon fiber material versus a titanium that most of the other subs are made out of, which is experimental. And so, oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. know that uh, they'd say it would two <clears throat> nanoseconds when it imploded. I mean, you can't even imagine how fast that was. But I will say this it was merciful. If they were stuck on the bottom of the ocean or caught in some part of the Titanic and had to wait, you know, five days because the oxygen was going to run out. It was merciful that they died that quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was. Yeah. Go ahead, Sierra. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say. I mean, if you look into this further, you find that the CEO, the company is called Ocean Gate, but you just find out that the CEO he hired young people, people who had more, you know, the aero. I almost said aerospace, but they did more with like piloting and aviation than actually these deep dives or having any knowledge of the ocean. And they said that the sub itself was actually controlled by a video game controller. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and you know, I, it's so horrible what happened to these people and you know, I, my heart goes out to them and their families, but it's just very interesting to me. Like, how would you think that that would be safe in any situation? The sub was so small. They couldn't even stand up. No. So if you're down there, they couldn't have their shoes on. 
They all had to sit within like a couple of inches of one another. I just can't imagine being a billionaire and thinking, oh yeah, this is safe. (laughs) What's what's interesting though is the CEO of this company clearly thought it was because he was on on the boat, right? So he um, he was you know he he clearly convinced himself despite the fact that there was a couple of letters, I guess there's like a whole society of, of explorers that, you know, apparently there's thousands of these submarines now around the world. And this is the only one that is, uh, that I know of, uh, according to a couple articles I've seen that is using this um, carbon fiber versus the tested and true steel and titanium, which is, you know, really hard mm-hmm. to penetrate. And so what, what, oh, what Cameron was saying is that, at, you know, this thing has done 30 dives successfully. And so for the first 29 dives, it was fine. But over time, the this carbon fiber gets weaker and weaker and weaker mm-hmm. until it becomes unstable. Oh, uh, here's something that the Cameron article put out that I thought was interesting. So they discovered a tail and they discovered some, some equipment which can be manually detached from the sub. That was some of the first things that they discovered over the course of this week before they found the actual debris field. And so Cameron said, chances are good. They had some warning that the, um, that the chamber was having distress. And so they manually um, tried to shed weight to ascent versus descent. So they tried to get rid of this detachable tail and this other uh, perhaps landing mechanism as they started to <laughs> rise up to prevent the catastrophe. But as Father pointed out, um, once that breach occurred, I mean, they were at, I mean, thousands of feet. The pressure is so strong. Uh, it just, yeah. They've had all the diagrams of like, you know, this is actually the bottom of whatever sea, the Dead Sea, and then it goes further and further. And the Titanic is at like more than 12,000 feet. I think they said it's five, um, Empire State Buildings. Like, it's insane. I don't, I don't get that at all. Like, I did see some of those diagrams and, one of the diagrams I read, and we should almost get an expert, was saying that, you know, that like you pointed out, that the Titanic is at 12,000 feet, but the actual bottom of the seabed is like 14,000. So there's another 2,000 feet. And why is that? Now, how is it, how is it that the Titanic is above, you know, is it, is it resting on like maybe a cliff or a shelf? Yeah, because the ocean, you know... It- kind of meanders down it has the slopes because of the tectonic plates so it probably just stopped before it actually got to the bottom like it's hung up on something yeah yeah that um i I wonder it's interesting to think about well i was gonna sign us all up for a submarine expedition but uh, not me brother not me i'm i ain't going nowhere (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh submarines scare me never (laughs) Ever. Yeah, I don't do well. Like I get claustrophobic if the bed sheets are too tight, like wrapped around my feet, which drives my wife Elise crazy because her side is always neatly tucked in, and my side I always have the sheets kind of up so my feet can stick out, <laughs> and it drives her nuts. But I'm like, I have bigger feet than you do. Like yours are nice and cozy. Mine, <laughs> something's. Co- I don't know. I I can't do the small spaces at all. Yeah. No, that's that's funny. I mean, I don't know if it's because of where I grew up, but I don't even like boats. Like I want to do a cruise so bad. I want to go do one of those cruises where you go and check out the orcas uh, up by Canada. And I don't think I could actually do it because I don't think I could be on a boat for a week. I don't mind the boats. I can. All you do on, yeah, I went on one cruise to to Alaska. (laughs) My sister and her husband said, we want you to come with us. All you do is eat, 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 
eat. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all they do and, and drink, drink, drink. And I don't <laughs> like to eat, eat, eat or drink, drink, drink. So to me, like I was bored. I mean, I was bored. Wow. Oh my gosh. I did Have that. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I did a, um, an Alaskan, uh, the, the Glacier Bay cruise. That was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So, okay. The fun fact about me, I love whales and like orcas. I think they're the coolest animals. And have you guys heard about the pot of orcas who's been attacking boats up by yeah, Alaska? I have. And actually in, um, in other parts too, there's some off the coast of Japan. Well, maybe that, I guess well, those are the probably- same pod. Same pod. So they're aggressively attacking boats. Like literally there's one or two attacks a day and in some cases sinking boats. What are they yeah. mad at? So uh, this, is, this is the theory. So in human history, there has never been a recorded attack by an orca or a dolphin on a human, right. which is insane to think about. But in this pod, there's about 30 orcas. And one of the, the females who's like very high up in the family structure I think her name is like Gladys, which is so funny to me, but she got hit by a rudder on a boat ah. uh, two years ago. And ever since then, she's been teaching the other orcas how to attack the boats because they Holy have very cow. distinct like hunting um, ways that they would hunt and use them their body weight as a pod. And it's getting out of hand. Like they're sinking boats now, and they even have footage of like the moms in the pod teaching the cat, the little cabs, how to sink sailboats. So they're not just like attacking the bigger boats; they're teaching the young ones to attack the sailboats. Hey, that that mama whale is holding a major grudge. That's like a major grudge. I, I've it's always insane. heard the saying, like I don't know if you guys ever heard the saying, "Mama bear," right? Of like a very protective mom. Well, now it's yeah. going to be mama orca, which you got to be yeah, careful mama orca, yeah, because you don't want to call any mama whale. That could be bad, oh but that'd but, be very like, bad. That'd be very, very bad. I'm trying to figure out if like, okay, orcas are insane. Like they are probably one of the scariest animals ever. And I've been trying to look into, are they actually attacking the humans? Like once the boat is flipped and I haven't been able to find anything. They're, they're attacking they're the I bet you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, and orcas are very smart and very trainable as well. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I've seen them before it, you know, years ago when they used to have them at SeaWorld. Let's do this. Let's jump to our commercial break, Truth Culture Life. Stay tuned. I don't have a clue what we're going to talk about in the next segment, but we're having a ton of fun. Father Orsi's in a good mood, which is great. And we're, <laughs> we're talking about mama whales getting angry. It's going to be great. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. July is the month for Catholic Spirit Radio's Matching Monday. I'm this year's Matching Monday donor, Patricia, and I'm going to double up to $6,000 every donation made on the Mondays in July. I challenge you to donate big, so I have to write that matching big check. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or mail your check on any Monday in July to 108 Boykin's Place in Normal. Why am I willing to be the matching donor? Before I converted, Catholicism seemed mysterious to me, even though my husband was Catholic. However, after speaking with a priest, I knew I wanted to become a Catholic too. I began listening to EWTN programs and grew tremendously in my understanding and love of the faith. When my children came along, I was thankful that we could attend church together, and we still do whenever family comes to town. Catholic Spirit Radio needs our financial support so we can grow in our faith. If you've never donated, start this July. If you've donated in the past, July is the month to give extra. Remember, I will double it during July Matching Mondays. The Epiphany Knights of Columbus call all knights and their guests to our 50th anniversary reception, Saturday, July 29th. 
Join us for 4 o'clock mass, followed by beverages, appetizers, dinner catered by Bernardi's, and then dance the night away with our professional DJ. All nights attend free of charge, and their guests are only $10. RSVP to joe at dmci.com. Again, that's joe at dmci.com. Your reservation deadline is July 1st. Come celebrate 50 years of the Epiphany Knights of Columbus. Help seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal Area, 309-827-7780. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life. You're listening to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. We just want to give a shout out to Catholic Spirit. We thank them. My understanding is now this program can be heard three times a week. Oh, instead of two, which is awesome. Um, If I get the times right, it's 6 p.m. on Saturday, 9 a.m. Sunday, and 5 p.m. on Sunday. So three different times, which is, I think, a huge, um, just a huge uh compliment for the program so thank you so much for listening to truth culture life all right so we've been we've talked about all sorts of things we've talked about wilhelmina we've talked about father's sciatica and <laughs> in a good mood my, my former former sciatica former pray sciatica. it pray it doesn't come back yes we're praying it doesn't <laughs> come back we've talked about mama orcas and mama bears um sierra what's next on our topics today well, so we're recording today, and it is June 23rd, but we're approaching the one-year anniversary of the overturn of Roe v. Wade, and there's so many exciting things to talk about with that. I mean, um, the list is endless, but there's a few things I wanted to point out. So uh, Catholic Vote, which again is probably one of my favorite pages to follow, they had an article this week talking about that since the overturn of Roe v. Wade, it's estimated that we're down... 24,290 legal abortions from the baseline of you wow. know, the previous year. Fantastic. So that is huge. I think that an applause. Oh. I don't know why the cricket always goes on at the same time when I press the button as the applause. There it is. Woo! I think, Putin, <laughs> I think Putin's trying to break in. We're being hacked. Yeah, yeah, by Putin. I'm sure it's Putin. Nobody else. Well, and the the other really interesting thing, too, is, you know, every state south of Virginia and east of New Mexico now has implemented or passed new abortion limits. That is a huge chunk. And I actually have the map on our Facebook page if anybody wants to go and check out the graphic. I mean, that is insane. And that's just I think it was easier for them to talk about that section. But think about all the other states. I mean, including North Dakota. We're North Dakota, yay! Yeah, we're all of these states are just kicking butt. It's insane. And then you have states like Minnesota who are just going off the deep end, but we don't have to talk about that. Let's, uh, yeah, go ahead, Father. I mean, what's your reaction to this? This is no, I'm, I, I'm I'm delighted. It just shows how important it was to get uh, Roe v. Wade overturned. Uh, I think that the the justices, there's no way 
that anyone could say, if they're being honest, that the justices didn't come to the correct decision. It belongs with the states, period. And I think what was happening, what is happening right now is that uh, the states are showing that, uh, yeah, for the most part, their people don't want unlimited abortion. And they're, they're beginning slowly but surely uh, to cut down uh, on the time period for abortion. And uh, many states, including this great state of Florida, we went from uh, I don't know, six weeks to, I mean, we, we went from uh, 15 weeks to six weeks. I mean, it's fantastic. And we're going to go, we're going to go further. And I want the folks out there to know that, you know, you have to follow what the candidates are saying uh, about abortion. Uh, certainly, we, we have like 110 people running for a president right now. But listen to what they're saying about abortion. And I'll tell you one other thing, folks, I mean, I'm on a roll now. Uh, I was reading about, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And, you know, some of the stuff he says, I'm saying, well, yeah, it's not too bad. This guy's not too bad. But when it comes to abortion, he is for sky's the limit. So, I mean, he's not acceptable. All right, I made a political statement, but he's not acceptable. Sky's the limit? Uh-uh. No, look, I, go ahead, Sierra, go ahead. I was going to say, I actually didn't realize that about Robert Kennedy Jr. I mean, there's been so much, um, so many news stories lately about him going on all these big uh, news platforms. Because platforms like CNN who their ratings have just tanked, they don't want Robert Kennedy Jr. on because they don't want him to, you know, outshine Biden. So now Robert Kennedy Jr. is getting invited by all of these conservative platforms, including Joe Rogan, where he's getting millions and millions and millions of views, so much exposure. Like, I think it's completely backfiring on the DNC. But see, it's all about, it's all about uh, his opposition <laughs> to the uh, vaccination, the COVID mm -hmm. vaccination. And that's what's drawing a lot of attention. He was He's absolutely right on that. But when it comes to abortion, I'm sorry, he's a disaster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That to well, me. Well, that's why it's so important to educate yourself on cancer. Exactly. Right. No. Right. From a, a Catholic perspective, um, you know, in terms of in terms of like how I view things, it, it's interesting. I get asked. I was just on a program for Choose Life Marketing. They have a podcast. I think it actually comes out today. And they said, well, you know, how do we how do we address the argument? Like people like say, well, it's you know, you're only pro-life because of your faith. Well, no, I mean, sort of, I guess. I but I was pro-life before. I, I really became like a, a a practicing Catholic, I guess. I mean, it was in my 20s that I, I sort of had a, a – I came back into the church after not being there during my, my teens. But I was always pro-life. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the idea that, you know, as a human being, we should respect the dignity of human life just seems like common sense. And it's funny. You ask like one of my kids who are all under the age of nine, you know, if, if they see a pregnant woman and you say, hey, what's in her, what's in her belly? I'll, every single one of them are going to tell you the answer, and it's true. It's a baby. Yeah. How is that complicated? It's not complicated at all. And adults have a way of, you know, as uh, Mark said earlier, you know, the devil likes to turn things upside down. I mean, that's the truth, right? I mean, how could we even be arguing that? So I think science is on our side. I'm pro-life because, first of all, I can't help it. I I love babies, but also the science is on our side. It's it, it, When Roe came out, it was easy to sort of question, well, you know, viability and, and so forth, I suppose, right? But now that's not the case. Uh, as medical science improves, earlier and earlier viability is realized. 
Um, you know something, Robin Hood? It's right. not just, it's certainly the science backs us up, you know, 100%. Uh, and it's not just theology, okay? There's something we used to call in moral theology, and it was called a sense of revulsion. And a good human being doesn't have to know the science, doesn't have to know theology, just that you get a sense something is revolting about this. And I think that people of goodwill have that sense of revulsion. Mm -hmm. It's disgusting. You know, Father, I want to go into that more because that's fascinating, this sense of revulsion, right? And I, I think I remember this, you know, I was, it's been 12 or 13 years now since I took your class at Ave Maria School of Law years ago. Uh, but I mean, that's how I feel about like men dressed in dresses. And I don't want to get into this too much, uh, you know, today because it's so divisive. But I mean, men dressed in dresses, reading books at a library to little kids. To me, it's, 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 it's just, revolting. It's, it's revolting. Yes, it is. It's an easy way to look at it. So that's something that I think we need to talk about more. You know, that instinct. It's instinct. Yeah. It's instinct. It sure is. It sure is. And anyone that doesn't have that instinct, I would say they are morally flawed people. And it will follow through everything else that they do in their lives because mm -hmm. they don't have this sense, this built-in um, uh, moral sense, we'll call it, uh, that knows good from evil. Right. Well, uh, that's, there's so many things where I feel like people, like there's so many people in society right now who think we're so in tune with our bodies and we're so in tune with, you know, doing what you want and whatever makes you happy. But people have lost this basic sense of intuition. Like people just ignore their gut feelings or they ignore, you know, whatever. It, it blows my mind because right. what you're talking about, I mean, so I was raised Catholic and went to have gone to church my entire life. But the thing that really stuck out to me as a child was the pro-life fight. I don't know what it was, but God just had that on my heart. And even as a kid, I didn't understand the science. I didn't understand anything behind it. But, you know, I went to teens for life and I knew it was wrong. And I just listened to that because God put that on my heart. And that's the thing that's so funny is because I, when I was growing up, you know, when I first started in the pro-life fight, we didn't necessarily have science behind us. They were first realizing, you know, when, when the fetus could feel pain or, you know, whatever. And, but that wasn't necessarily, you know, definite. But now that we have science on our side, it's like science is completely out the window. They're like, oh, well, you know, the woman should be able to decide or, uh, a person could, that's the thing in North Dakota with the court ruling that we just had or the opinion we just got, a woman should have the right to an abortion for self-defense. So if she's having mental health issues because she's pregnant and she can't handle the issue she's having in pregnancy, she has the right to self-defense to kill her baby. How does that make any sense? Good. Father, I'll give yeah, you well. We're with, your father the last word. Yeah, with, uh, with the uh, pro-choice attitude, things don't have to make sense. I think, you know, uh, President Biden summed it up very beautifully. He says, we don't care about facts. We care about truth. Bottom line is, whose truth is it? Whose truth mm -hmm. is it? And whose science is it? Uh, Dr. Fauci's science? I am the science. I am the science. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a lack of reality on the part of those people who are pro-choice, a lack of a sense of reality. 
Wow. I think that's right. Uh, that what well, well, you know, just to sum it up here, what Sierra is talking about. I remember, you know, you know, the natural law that's impressed on our hearts, right? People, people, I think generally are born with instinct, and over time, the, you know, you, you recognize that some people just use really, really poor judgment, mm-hmm. right? And they let go of that of that instinct. That's that God given voice inside that says, "Hey, this is not yeah. a good idea." Right. I, <laughs> that's right. Well, ignore it. And they convince themselves that it, it's okay. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I a lot. Oh, let's just be nice. Well, the devil can be nice. Oh, the yeah. devil, that doesn't mean the devil's good, right? There's a difference. Be very nice until he destroys your soul. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. People have said that the, 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 right, the path to hell is, uh, is paved in gold. Right. Mm-hmm. It looks really pretty on the way there, maybe. But uh, boy, it's a wake up call. Um, well, th- what a great show, guys. It's so good to have everybody back together uh, for Truth Culture Life. Be sure to check us out online at truthculturelife.com. And we'll um, we'll see you again next week. God bless.